Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Shane Benson. Welcome back to Launch University. We're so excited you decided to join us today. And uh, we're excited today because I got David Farmer with me um, as part of the Launch University team. And we have special guest Kevin Peak. And Kevin, I'm excited that you're here because you have had a, a little bit of a different journey when we talk about launchers and launching businesses. You are this unbelievable entrepreneur that launched your own business. And then at some point in time, you said, you know what? I'm going to transition out of that. We're going to actually sell the business. And so we're going to spend some time getting to know you, Kevin, as well as some of the things that you've learned along the journey. As a reminder, all of us are trying to launch something, right? Whether that's inside a business or outside a business, maybe it's a startup, it's a side hustle, whatever that is. But oftentimes there's gaps between where we are and where we want to be. And so uh, we try to introduce people to others that maybe are there or have been there to really connect some of those gaps and fill in the spots. So thank Thanks for being here today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we jump in? You started, um, to be quite honest with you, um, a company that was near and dear to my heart because I have the pleasure of working with your wife, who every Christmas would bring me a gift, and it was from your business, Kaja Popcorn. And I love the name of that, first off, but you would bring these wonderful, buttery, creations that i mean you had a variety of popcorn flavors and every year i'd get i'd just wait for her to come in and drop it off it and my kids loved it and so i know you distributed that all across a lot of different places within atlanta for sure and then i think it was even bigger much larger than that but take us back like what in you was this had this drive to be an entrepreneur and start your own business i'd love to hear that story yeah, thanks. thanks. That's a great first question. You know, I don't know that I necessarily have an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm not, I'm not sure what that looks like when people say you're born to be an entrepreneur or not. I do know that when I was in high school, I had this idea to sell blow pops at, at my high school. So I go buy them at Sam's <laughs> Club in bulk and then go sell them to my high school. So maybe I guess I always did have an entrepreneurial spirit. How can I make a, you know, a little bit of money here or there. And when I was in business school, I started a business selling our branded wear and golf balls and mugs and all those things you have for my business school. Cause we didn't, I went to Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt itself had a bookstore, but the business school was trying to brand itself as its own sort of entity and as a brand, even different colors of the school. And so I said, Hey, can I use the logo to sell stuff? And they said, sure. And I said, great. So I made some money. And then I didn't have rights to the logo. I didn't have have exclusive rights, but I sold it to a rising second year when I graduated. I didn't even have the rights to it, but I was able to sell it. Hey, this is great. Hold on. So you really are an entrepreneur because only that. an entrepreneur maybe. thinks that way. Maybe I love so. that. I love if that. anybody at IMG or collegiate <laughs> licensing is listening, <laughs> they are I? coming for you. They want That's their, right. their <laughs> slice of that sale. You to can't the, get to Kevin because he's already sold. It's That's a long exactly time right. ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But so I, I was in the corporate world for a long time d- working as a consultant and loved the project work, loved to, to bounce to ideas. And I think entrepreneurs are kind of like that. I like to start and like to kind of move on, sort of get the highs and then sort of move on. And so I... About ten years ago, I was had pretty young kids, um, and you get that you know you hear the famous story, you see the picture, and it's you on an airplane. Your kid draws this picture of you. And I'm like, that's not who I want to be. 
Mm. Um, and so I said, uh, hey, you know, lucky to, that my wife has a wonderful employer and a wonderful place. And so I said, I'm going to quit my job and let's just see. I didn't know what I was going to do. It, popcorn was not the first thing that I was going to do. I don't have a background. It wasn't like I you know, have a famous recipe or anything like that. I actually was more interested in technology and some other ideas around that, but couldn't just had a bunch of ideas, bounced around, hung around at the ATDC for a while. And long story I remember short, you hanging out over at Chick-fil-A, at Chick-fil-A a little bit for a long time. Remember, yeah. Well, you were yeah. trying to sort out options. Yeah. I would spend some time there with working in the, so in you the, hang, you hung out where, where did you, I didn't oh, ATDC, that's Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Oh, Georgia Tech. Okay. Yeah. Advanced Pre- Technology Development Center. So yeah. with other innovators, other yeah. startups, yeah. And that, yeah. the did like, some, yeah, I did some, I, but I, some you know, just some time out right, right quick, because I actually think that is, that's a tidbit that people can take away. I, I think that's in this this area, this time period where you had decided you didn't want to do what you were currently doing. Yeah. You had this gap of time, and what you did is you searched for people that may have been uh, doing something you might be interested in, and you hung out, yeah. and you had conversations, exactly and you're very conversational. So I'm sure you learned a lot during that season where you just spent time. I, it, I learned a lot. I learned a whole lot hanging out at ATDC with other people. And, what, and one of the things that I learned is I am relatively type A, and not being a technologist, not understanding the coding aspect, not understanding some of those pieces of building a website or putting those things together, I, I knew that I was uncomfortable with that. And so I, that, that sort of helped me move away from it. So I was able to spend some time thinking about that and realizing that I didn't really want to go down that path. And so ended up uh, friends with a chef and... Uh, bouncing ideas and some, somehow I realized we didn't have popcorn in Atlanta. I knew other cities had it. Came up with some flavors <laughs> and, uh, and Kaja was born. And so go into how you came up with the, the name Kaja. How did yeah, you so it's, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking of what, what could a name look like and different names were taken. Peak Popcorn was taken. Uh, some company in, California, in uh, Colorado already had that. Did some research and in turn, my kids' names are Caroline and Jack. So I came with Kaja, which interestingly, to get the trademark, we had to fight it a little bit because Kaja in Spanish means box. And the trademark office said, and I knew that going in, I, I was in, it was intentional. I'm like, oh my gosh, the double entendre of box of popcorn and, and my kids' names. But I had to fight the trademark office. They're like, oh, that's too generic. You can't get a trademark for that. And so we had to fight and say, well, it's a... It's the capital C, capital J. It also, you know, not my lawyer had to fight it, and so we were able to. Which to, is uh, again another good, great reminder of you've got to be willing to lean into challenges and problems. You had no idea you were going to have to face. You probably oh when you came up there, you're like, oh, super creative. It's my two kids' yeah. names put together. This would be great. And here you go on this little, you know, trademark battle, or you know, for the rights of using this name. That's yeah. like unexpected. I would yeah. imagine. And had no idea the cost of what that would look like yeah. going in. I think that's what a lot of people have, a really great idea, but they don't have a real idea of, of the, the expense to do it and to, you know, to sort of to do it right. And then they end up with, with problems on the back end. Mm-hmm. Which is a common thing. I think we've heard of folks that have a passion around a particular idea. It's all what I'll call sort of the administrative stuff associated with establishing the enterprise that sort of wears them down a little bit. So I'd say if you're thinking about it, just sort of brace yourself. Know it's going to take some energy. Know you, you talked about you had an attorney. Know you're going to have some to have some resources that have expertise you don't have to get you through that stuff. It's just real, but you can grind through it, yep. and, and it's not forever. That's right. It's not forever. And I say to people, they say, hey, you know, what's your best piece of advice? And I would say hope for 
the best out of the business, plan for the worst from a, from a resource mm. standpoint, or plan for it taking twice as long or three times as long, whatever, whatever phrase you want to wanna have. I mean, we, uh, you know, our, yeah, our first year, we definitely lost money because you can come up with the best business plan. Am I paid for a, a, sort of a coach to help me develop a business plan? And I look back on that now, and it's, I mean, it, it, it is really, if I showed you the numbers of what we were sort of estimating for a different size tins and, and, and number of tins and, and number of bags of popcorn, it wasn't anything close to that. It wasn't anything close. And that's okay, but plan for. So transition, let's make a little transition here. As you got started, um, what were some of the highs and lows as you look back that you'd say, gosh, this was unexpected high and this was an unexpected low? Yeah. So I'd say I'll start with the with the lows. It's lonely, right? When you're mm. when you're doing it yourself, I think people who right there are pros and cons to having a co-founder. The pros are you have somebody who can be there for you, you can bounce ideas off of, you can sort of get consensus, you can feel good about your decisions. The cons are if you don't agree, it can be really it can be really, really bad. Right. So um, you get take a guy like, you know, Bernie and an Arthur at, at Home Depot. That was great. But then you have Sam Walton, who kind of did his own thing for a while. And, but he had support around him, of course. So the lows are there. It's, it's, it can be kind of lonely. You always wonder, am I making the right decision? So there's a lot of that, I think, on, on the low side. The high is you get to decide every day when you wake up, are you going to open that door? Hmm. Are you going to are you going to keep that business going? You get to see, the, uh, you know, watch, watch it grow, watch it evolve. But I think that's a, you know, and it's cool. I, I, I remember, you know, somebody asking me, do you regret, you know, starting this business? And I'll say, no, because A, it was, I made money. And B, I tried something. Um, and a lot of people go to their graves saying, I wish, you know, I, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And, uh, I, you know, I don't have that regret. And could you add uh, three, you probably learned a bunch along the way? Oh, I, I mean, you, you learn a ton. You're a different ton. now than you were before? Yeah, I, I was, it was, you know, it, for me, personally for me, I, I was speaking more sort of generally, but personally for me, it was great. I, I had lived in Atlanta since 1998 and had never had anything in the community. I'd always traveled as a consultant or worked from home and and. and and still traveled. Uh, and so being able to put down some roots, get more involved in my church, get more involved, be, you know, help with my kids swim team, help coach my kids baseball team, be just home a lot and be present was, was amazing for me from a community standpoint. Uh, so for, for me, that's a, that was a super, super high. And you showed up with popcorn. And I mean, every teacher loved us. I mean, every, I can't even everybody imagine. Everybody loved us with the popcorn. Your yeah. kids have no idea how many special perks they got because you were delivering popcorn it was, to their It was teachers. pretty amazing, yeah. I pop, love it. Yeah, the product was, was, was pretty cool. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So you were in the business for, remind us how many years you were in. So we were open about five and a half years, five and a half, six-ish years, let's say. So you've since transitioned out. Yeah. You've sold the business. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes we don't have the pleasure of meeting with folks that have actually started a business and then sold it or transitioned out. I'm curious, when did you, what was the point that you realized maybe one morning you woke up and you said, "Mm, I'm not sure I want to keep doing this. Take us back to that moment where you maybe started having those thoughts or how did you transition into that? Sure. I don't know there was a specific moment. I do know 
I, so I had a five-year lease, and I knew probably about year three that it didn't, it wouldn't, have, it wasn't going to make sense to renew the lease. We were very fortunate to build some great relationships in the community and nationally. Um, we were shipping popcorn all over the place. We had clients in New York, we had clients in North Carolina who were calling us. Nashville, we had some, we were doing some wholesaling, but we were doing large orders. We were doing corporate orders. We were doing wholesale orders out of a retail store. And it just made no sense. Hmm. Um, and the retail part of it was such a small part of it. It was so overwhelmingly wholesale, a corporate, and I just call it event, wedding business, for example. I, we, I mean, just parties, every, everything where you might have a, a need for a, um, a party favor. We were doing lots of that that we could have done out of any warehouse, any place that wasn't high rent, Buckhead, Atlanta, Right, Peachtree, your own Peachtree. That's right, on Peachtree Street. So we were paying high rent, paying for labor, at for customer service. Right, that customer service model, we had to pay more for them than, and and obviously the dual role of them doing the production side. But I could have found it's a different type of person that I needed. And so I realized that my goal when I opened this the first store was, hey, gosh, I want to have you know four or five of these in you know five or ten years. And I realized, again, two or three years in, that indeed more stores wouldn't, wasn't the model. It was fewer stores and just work on the wholesaling and the corporate and the event. Uh, but I also knew that that's not who I am as a Say as a more person. about that. So you made a conscious decision at that point. When, when you realized it wasn't going to be as much retail, it was going to be more wholesale, you, you made this remark that that wasn't who you were. Say more. Yeah, yeah. So I um, I need to be around people. I'm just I'm a, I'm a huge extrovert. I just I just know that about myself. Being in a warehouse in Smyrna or in Mableton or in you know another city that's but that's where you find the cheap rent. That's right. That's where we need to be needed to be. But that's not who I wanted to be. I, I love the customer imp- interaction. I love the you know people coming in, just being part of the community. And you know, if I went up to the Starbucks at Peachtree Battle any morning, I, I'd see five or ten people would be like, "Hey, you know, how are you?" And I love that as an extrovert. So to so I, I just knew that I did, the warehouse model wasn't going to be for me. So I started sort of looking around, asking around people who might be interested. Did some math. Talked to some some folks who were in the in the business of selling businesses, and they all sort of gave me some numbers. And uh, you know, they they said, "Oh, you can do biz buy sell, or you can do this, you can do that." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't, that that model's not really for me. I don't want to have to just deal with it." So I ended up finding somebody who knows the the wholesale business, the sort of the warehouse business pretty well, is also in the food business, and uh, was able to to uh, to to sell it to him. And it's 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 going to be great. He's going to, his, his revenues will probably be a little bit lower short term, right? Cause we're losing the, the retail piece. Cause he's going to primarily focus on wholesale. He is, okay. he is wholesale, corporate event, all of that. Uh, but as soon as he opened the door this summer, like not literally open door, but said, Hey, I'm open for orders. A lot of the orders that, that I'd had, you know, were already coming in the door. I mean, he, he st- opened up with, a book of business that well, I it, gave it does him. sound like like there there's a there's a principle there around finishing well. Talk about the importance of finishing well, and then how how did you exhibit that in when you turn this business over? Yeah, so I um, he wasn't just buying the equipment. He wasn't, and I wasn't just selling the equipment. 
I wasn't just selling recipes. I was selling something that I loved mm-hmm. for five years, six years, uh, something that I built, something that my kid's name was on, right? So I wasn't just going to say, hey, here, here's the recipe book and, and here's the equipment. Let me show you how it works. Good luck. Right? I mean, and, and the quality. I mean, I, I live in Atlanta. There are people who still know me as the popcorn guy. I've been called worse, but I'll be called the popcorn guy yeah. for the rest of my life, probably. Because he's keeping the name. He's keeping the name. He's keeping yeah. everything. The, the brand, everything is the same. And that matters to me. If he if he'd said, hey, I want your recipes and I want your equipment, um, it might have been a little bit different. It would have probably been more transactional than relational. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. It would have been more transactional. But the fact that he was buying that brand from me, I, you know, I don't want somebody to come up to me and say, yeah, you know what? It's not quite as good. Now, I can't control that because he owns it, right? And I don't have any ownership rights. But it does matter to me that he gets it right, and I want to do everything I can to help him with that. A, that's the type of person that I am. I'm not just going to like walk away. But B, it, it matters. Mm. I want people to say, gosh, that popcorn is still so great. I'm glad I can get it again. Can I ask a two-part question? Kevin, as you think about the five-plus years that you launched and operated Kaja, what, um, would you, how would you say your role evolved, part one, and part two, what's the skill or capability you've got now coming out of this that you arguably did not have or you were weaker at when you started? Yeah, wow, that's a great, that's a great set of questions right there. I'd say from a, a, a role standpoint, being the face of a business, you know, when I started it, I, you know, I thought, hey, I'll do this and then I'll, I'll sort of step out of the business, not, not away from the business, but out, I'll be out opening another store, or I'll be out glad handing, sort, you know, that sort of that marketing piece. And what I learned is, no, I mean, it's day to day. You're in the business. You're popping popcorn. You are going to Chamber of Commerce meetings. You are doing all of that. You're doing the books at night. You're, you know, there were nights where I would go home and I would um, bring home a thousand bags with me, uh, you know, this bags that needed to be uh, labeled uh, to be filled and my kids would be, you know, we'd finish dinner, they'd get their showers and I'd say, hey, come down and help me stick labels on these things. A lot of nights of that, of that happening and, you know. Come stick your initials on these bags. That's right, that's right, <laughs> the flavor labels. That is um, one of the benefits yeah. of naming the company yeah, after That's your right. So <laughs> what did I walk involved. away with? What did I have? What do I have now? I think it's just an appreciation. The biggest thing probably is just personally knowing more about myself, knowing who I am more the way I work. Um, I think a lot of people don't take the time to understand that about themselves. They jump in, they think, oh, I've got a great recipe, and I, so I want to go do this. Uh, but they have zero business sense, and, but don't realize it about themselves, and I think they get stuck. Um, you see it all the time, and I, and I talk to people about this all the time with you know, opening a restaurant or you know, thinking about the next pizza. You, know, you might have a great great, great recipe, but you choose a bad location or you don't figure out the books or you don't realize, hey, what is it going to take? How many pizzas am I going to have to sell to, is this going to be sort of a hobby or am I going to make this and make a lot of money out of it? Yeah. And you're, you're actually introducing a thought or an idea as I'm sitting here. And if you're a listener and you're, you find yourself maybe um, relating to what you're saying, uh, a concept, I guess, that we could introduce here is taking a pause 
and asking yourself those questions now while you're in it. And then you, something you've already introduced us to is, and then connecting yourself to people that may have been there and done that. So if you hit the pause, you go, you know what? I really don't know anything about the finance piece of this. And I've got to go out and find somebody. To, but I think hitting the pause while you're in the middle of it and saying, where am, I, where am I hitting it and where am I not? And then addressing that by partnering together with people that may be a little bit ahead of you so that you can uh, get where you want to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think knowing, again, knowing about yourself, finding others to, to sort of help you in your areas of weakness. Mm. And just, you know, it, it, was, it was a great opportunity for me having this business meeting a bunch of other local entrepreneurs and national entrepreneurs i think was um was not so much the idea of meeting them but hearing their story and hearing their challenges and and uh um i it was it was it was a wonderful experience for sure i can ask you another question yes. as i'm listening you just things pop in my mind let's say you're going to go back and you're going to do the same thing again but you know now some things you didn't necessarily know five years ago five or six years ago. What would you do different if you were to start the whole thing over again? You've already referenced, I, I wouldn't focus on the retail. So that, that's a great, that's a big insight. What else might you do different with the benefit of this experience you've yeah. got now? I think actually if I had to start over, I might still go the retail route. I think I would uh, make sure that I was not doing just popcorn in the store, have the ability. My lease was very restrictive. Yeah, They wouldn't let me sell anything else. So I might partner with somebody to say, hey, in the summer, how about we sell some ice cream? And in the winter, we sell some popcorn. So I don't know that I would say, don't go the retail route. I think I might look at it differently. I probably would still say no. At least I would consider that, knowing yeah. what I know now. I would okay. consider yeah. that. I would probably, then I would say, all right, if I'm going to go the route of no retail, then it's a question of, all right, from a marketing standpoint, what do I have to do to get this brand out there? I mean, because it took... I mean, I, I just could go through a litany of our customers and how some of it was serendipitous. Somebody would literally just call and say, hey, we're looking for some popcorn. But a lot of it was me going to, I think of one of my best clients out of New York. I went to a, I was selling at, a, or I guess I was invited to an event, uh, a fundraiser, and they were doing some, some dancers. Like, the, the, you know, you do the celebrity dancing uh, competition where mm -hmm. you learn how to dance in six weeks in the winter, but it was a fundraiser and met somebody from a big law firm and next thing you know, I'm working with this law firm out of New York, and they're sending my popcorn all over the country. And then those people are ordering my popcorn because they had it and they loved it. Um, and so I'd say, but, but how are you marketing? What are you doing? What is your sort of model? Is it low cost, high volume? Is it high quality, you know, high cost? What does that look like? And, and stand for something. I would say that also about a business owner. You know, realize where you are going to stand firm and realize where, you're gonna, where you have some flexibility and where you need to, I wouldn't say pivot even, uh, but my pivot was corporate wholesale. Right? Mm -hmm. I knew that that was where I was spending all my time and energy. I wasn't focused so much on the retail. But I also think about my two biggest sellers in my store, I didn't even have, they weren't even products when I opened. Mm. They weren't I, uh, sizes, packaging. They weren't even, you know, in, in my mindset at all. I was thinking sort of bigger, and it turned out that I was selling these snack bags by the thousand. Uh, but that wasn't even that wasn't even a product on my uh, uh, so being, list. So being able to adjust, knowing what you know now, being soon you can adjust faster, Absolutely. quicker. Yeah. Uh, if you had to go back, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's great. It's a great lesson. I'm curious, you know, when you. It got to the point where you knew you wanted to sell the business. 
typically what we hear from entrepreneurs and startups is you start up because of there's a love affair with being in business for yourself, um, the gratification. Uh, you mentioned being an extrovert and you, you, you kind of envision selling popcorn and meeting, making relationships and having conversations and being in the community and being at home with your kids. And you, you, you get a love affair with being in business for yourself. And all of a sudden, you're no longer in business for yourself. How have you dealt with that? Like the emo, I would imagine there's probably some emotion tied to no longer being in business for yourself and doing something that you love. How did you deal with that? Yeah, I think I'm uh, pretty maybe sort of rational, maybe a little stoic about that. And I don't know that I intrinsically, you know, have had a, I don't say a mourning period uh, through that. And I don't know that I ever will. I think I, I say it was, a, I had a great experience realizing that sort of that that business as it was in that retail center was was uh was an ideal i think i was able to walk away from it and say hey all positive wonderful experience you know there are times when i when people say hey where can i get popcorn because there was a little bit of downtime between the time i sold and or closed and then sold it didn't all happen at once um and then him reopening uh, the time people say, hey, how, can I get popcorn? Can I get popcorn? Can I get popcorn? I had to keep saying, it, it, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Just be patient. But I wouldn't say that I was so in love with it from a sort of that emotional love mm. that I had. And I think that's maybe a little bit different. If it, was, if it had been a family recipe or if it had been something, you know, maybe, I don't know, if, I don't know why I think about that. I don't know if, if I just maybe I'm just not the type of person that would love something like that where if it stopped well I mean and honestly I think a lot of entrepreneurs are able to end things well and they're already thinking about the next thing that's too right. that's you right know, yeah, part of me that's right that, that's I, a very good point I think that's probably a point. personality trait that yeah. you and others are yeah. like okay hey listen when I finally get to the decision of we're going to end this we're already thinking about what are we going to begin next. And Shane, to your point, I think the challenge that a lot of small businesses have is because they have a love affair, because they're so emotionally tied to it, because they feel this sense of failure if it doesn't work for whatever reason, that keeps them going and failing longer. Mm. And you know, you hear the you know the phrase "oh, fail fast" and all. yeah, I mean, I think people take that too serious or you know too seriously because I think. Sometimes it's you're, you can give up too fast, and there's a big difference in giving up and failing. And because I, I think I think the word failure just sounds like such a it's such a weird word, but I think a lot of people have that fear of mm-hmm. failure, and so they keep going with something and just keep failing at it, uh, as opposed to saying just the, sort of the rational part of, yeah, this isn't what I imagined it to be, and that's okay. Mm. That's great, great. Can I ask you a question, Shane? Reference that we've not had anybody that we haven't had a lot of folks that have sold, and you sold your business. For somebody that's thinking about that, how long does that take? You know, you said you explored different options. Um, you referenced one site. I think you said Bizrite. So oh, you Biz by Sell. Biz, Biz by it's like Sell. A website that you know can sell site. Yeah. Okay, brokers. I mean, what's that take if you're looking to exit, and and that's part of your strategy? What do you need to plan on? I would plan on years, quite honestly. Um, and, That's good. And, That's and good advice. Uh, okay. Yeah, years. As in, I mean, it's it is. It can be 
arduous and it depends on the business that you're selling um, and how much you, you know, I was willing just to say, hey, I'm just willing to let it close, right? I made some money and, you know, I've got equipment and IP and you can argue about the, the value of the IP, um, you know, the depreciation on the equipment and from an accounting standpoint, you can get into all the minutiae of the, the financials. Yeah. But if you're selling an, an sort of an ongoing business, um, that you're going to, I mean, the other side is going to have lawyers going to come in and say, hey, you know, valuation this and volumes that and, you know, accruals this and you know, all of this, you know, if you're, if you're trying to sell a business uh, and it can get very, very personal, right? Because you got the other side wanting to get the best price possible and you saying, you know, yeah, but it's worth this much. But it's worth this much. Sweat, blood, That's and right. And it's a right. question of how much you're willing to sort of hold on to that. I was willing to, to say, fine, I'll just drop it. If you don't want to accept, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't a, you know, malicious about it or, or so hard fast, but I was sort of like, look, here's the deal. I, I, I'm willing to let it go for this. And if not, I can take this stuff to the scrapyard. That's okay. I got to get out of my basement at some point, right? <laughs> my wife's not going to let it stay there forever. But that was my option. So I actually was in a really, from a leverage standpoint, I was in a pretty good position. But I think if you're you know, trying to sell a business, want to retire or want to move on to the next thing or whatever, then, then the question sort of is the why part comes into play. And, and um, I, I, would, I would definitely say that just all of that and just the legal pieces of trying to turn over a trademark, not easy. Trying to you know, sell IP, not easy. Those things are, it takes way more than you think to get in. It takes way more than you think to get out. So just one observation, I'll, I'll kick it back to you, Shane. I think your willingness to walk away from the deal, that's an important point. You're not trapped at that point. That right. You're more empowered as a result. So uh, I think it's good if we can avoid finding ourselves in a situation where we don't feel like we can walk away because walking away gives us Option, leverage, power. Mm. That's right. That's right. And well, as long as you don't come across as being obnoxiously yes. tied to yeah. I've got the power, then you can, you're in a position of Well, you're not. If that's working. the case, you're not truly ready to walk away. Yeah. You, that's, you, right. that's what I heard you say. You've got to right. be prepared. You've got to be in the mindset of I'm willing to give this away. Right. And then you have, you're more level-headed about those conversations. That's a great point. Um, I, I just want to say time has been flying by. Kevin, thank you so much. I'd, I'd love because you are actually now consulting with other businesses and doing work uh, across multiple organizations and such where you're giving advice. If we have listeners out there that would be interested in maybe hiring of your services or doing something of that nature, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if there's a way that we can connect them with you if needed, uh, we'd love to do so. We are going to have some show notes on our website. Talk a little bit about what you're currently doing and uh, we maybe in that way. Sure. Yeah. So my, my background before getting starting this business was working with treasurers and CFOs of big companies on process improvement, looking at their bank fees, looking at all sort of helping them um, risk mitigation, fraud, you know, fraud sorts of things like that. But but really on a consultative basis. So I've gone back to that, doing that with a, a friend of mine that I'd worked with a long time ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and, and love it, but I'd love to work with small businesses because I think a lot, of, a lot of small businesses really struggle with that piece. They make assumptions about banking, they make assumptions about merchant services, they make assumptions about, or they're, or they're sold by somebody who you know, is trying to sell them the next biggest, coolest widget 
but financial services related, and they get they end up getting themselves into to sort of a bind. So I'd love to help businesses think about that. I'm helping big companies think about that right now. But I also happy to talk to a company if somebody's got an idea. I think that the more conversations you can have with people who have a bunch of different perspectives, the the better off you could be. It can never ever ever hurt mm-hmm. you to uh, to have those conversations. So be happy to share my information with you afterward, and we can. Uh, happy to have somebody reach out to me if they like to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll put that in the show notes for the podcast, and you can get that uh, at our website, launchuniversity.com. And um, I just want to say on behalf of the community of Launch University, thank you, because this is such an informative interview today. Um, I appreciate you taking us on the journey. And uh, for all of you that are out there and you're looking for more resources, we just want to encourage you, pass along the information of this podcast. There are a lot of folks out there that are really, all of us, again, are trying to be difference makers. And oftentimes there's a gap between where we are today and where we want to be tomorrow. And if we can help in any way, we'd love to do so. So thanks so much for listening in. And we'll see you next time on Launch University. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.